Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. LA, do not miss the upcoming Steel Wars Live podcast, May the 26th. Make sure you have your tickets for our solo reaction panel at the Scum and Villainy Cantina in Hollywood, California. The Saturday after the release of the solo standalone film, we'll be breaking it down. Tickets are available at steelwars.com forward slash live. Just check the link in your show notes. What's up, guys? We're ready to talk about Star Wars Rebels, A World Between Worlds. Uh, this just kind of fell together because I saw Geek Girl Diva saying that she wanted to talk Rebels, and I was like, I'm free! And then she was like, who else can we get? So, like I just said, we have Shayna O'Neill, a.k.a. Geek Girl Diva. She is a writer for StarWars.com and Sci-Fi Wire. Oh, I'm supposed to say hi. <laughs> hi! <laughs> <laughs> And we have Tyler Westhouse, another writer and contributor for StarWars.com. Hi! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We have Steel Saunders of the Steel Wars podcast. Hey, you guys. Happy to be here. We've got Emma Fife, who you might know from Collider and the Schmodown and Pencils and Parsecs or any of the other hundred things that she does online. Thanks for having me, guys. (laughs) Uh, John Bishop from MakingStarWars.com. Hello, everyone. And I am here, uh, Alex from Star Wars Explained. So, yeah, I've never really done anything like this before. We're just going to try it out yeah. and we'll see how it You're goes. You're crushing it so far, Alex. Keep doing it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm going to edit this heavily. Perfect, perfect. Just cut me out completely and I think you'll have a great show. <laughs> if you can, can you just leave in you saying how nervous you are about not doing this ever before? Because I've got some footage I'd like to lay that over. Okay. Perfect. Jesus. Sure. I'll just give you that audio if you want. Thanks. Um, but yeah, so this kind of came together, like I said, because Shayna was talking about wanting to talk about Rebels on Star War- or on Twitter. Uh Shana, was there anything specific before we really dive in I just, that you wanted to get your feelings out I about? I mean, <laughs> how much time you got? Um, I just have a lot of feelings, and yeah. it was one of those where you can write about it, you can you can think about it, you can even tweet about it. But there's something about the exchange of ideas and conversation that allows for a little more unpacking of what you're feeling or thinking or what you saw and if someone else saw it. So really it was more about, I just wanted to sit down and discuss this episode with people. Cause you know, it just thoughts. I, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> uh, it, it sounded like fun and I think we got a fun group. So yeah. uh, I guess let's just go ahead and start talking. Uh, what was everyone's first reaction when you we're first introduced to this world between worlds. We just started with space and quotes from the show. And uh, I mean, Shayna, I know you're my, like the biggest star Wars rebels fan that I know, I think. So I'll just throw that to you straight away. I flipped out 
I literally flipped out at the second I started hearing them. I back it up. I'm tr- I've got the sound all the way up. I've got my ear like I'm I'm sitting there trying to hear every single little thing. And it was hearing it and and because when I heard the voices before in the previous episode and I actually talked to Dave Filoni and I asked him about that and he said there were going to be more. So the second that thing opened up and I heard him, I said, I was like, okay. So I thought it was great because you heard all these voices from the past. And then as he continues on, you start to hear the future. And that just blew my mind. Like I was, that blew my mind. Piggybacking off of what you were saying, Shana, I got chills when I heard Ray speaking. Yeah, because yeah. as you say, it's like you were going through the past and that wasn't necessarily so unexpected. But then once you kind of started hearing, again, voices from later parts of the Star Wars canon, that's when you start to kind of, I think, look at the world between worlds and go, okay, so this is sort of like somewhere between time and space. This isn't just sort of a glimpse into the past or something like that. Uh, yeah. I also and it really happened as he was walking, so I was did. like, well, he's going and, down the timeline. And, well, and also just like on a personal level, I totally freaked out when I heard that Ray quote because I had 100% forgotten about her saying uh, to Finn at the end of Force Awakens, we'll see each other again. And, and in the Star Wars RPG that I do, Pencils and Parsecs, uh, which Alex mentioned at the top of the show, I had said to another character when we had this massive party, p- party split that happened we'll see each other again and i was like oh my god i am a genius uh (laughs) 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 synergy yeah it was very exciting i I just really wanted to buy a uh a star wars blu-ray box set i I thought like you just walked into a a, you're like what i thought it was like the film pavilion at san diego comic-con and it was just a new promo but you know (laughs) Either way, it, it'll result. What are all these quotes from? I gotta, I gotta watch these. Movies. <laughs> yes. I was so deep into the episode at that point, which doesn't happen all that often anymore when I'm watching Star Wars, because generally I'm looking at it or what angle is am I going to write about or what are we seeing here? How does this relate? But I was so focused on the moment right then and there that it was a real gift. I really wasn't thinking too heavily about what it all meant, I was just blown away. I'm, uh, I'm absolutely in the same boat. I'm somebody who gets turned off to a lot of Rebels storylines, and I'm not as invested in this show as a lot of people are. I like Rebels more than I like the Clone Wars, but I have a lot of issues with the episodes that seem to meander, but considering that they're finally wrapping up and we finally have an ending in sight, I think this is the most engaged I've been in an episode of Rebels um, since Twilight of the Apprentice, very easily. It just nonstop, I just wanted to see what was happening next in this world between worlds. And any time we would cut away, I would just get really frustrated. I, I, one of the things that I found so interesting, and I'm loving this whole, basically the whole back end of the, of the last season, which is there's been all this talk throughout the series about things like filler or whether this is why was this about this or why was that about that and as these episodes are going on you start to see the quarters drop and stuff they've set up that's going back so that to me is is so fascinating um but also, I I will admit I watched the first time I watched Rebels no matter what I watch it just as a fan like I don't I just there I am like little face in the screen going. Mm. 
I, I think that's a really interesting point. Like, John, you brought it up about I, I am often the same way when I'm sitting there. I kind of have to make myself not think about what am I going to make videos about? What can I talk about here? And yeah, I was just totally enthralled. It felt like Twilight of the Apprentice and everyone is making that kind of, I guess, comparison, which makes sense since Ahsoka comes yeah. back and all. <laughs> but what do you guys think the world between worlds is? Uh, I mean, we know it's a place outside of space and time, but like, what are your theories on who made it and how it works and all that kind of thing? Uh, Ty, let's start with you. Oh, man. I was I was really hoping that somebody else would go first and I could piggyback off of what they said. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, we can go with Emma. <laughs> uh, let's do that so yeah, I can think. Sure. Great. Uh, well, I mean, the way that I sort of viewed it was this, It again, and I, I mentioned it earlier, that it to me it feels like it, it isn't so much that it's something that is outside of all of time and space as it is, like, the convergence of all of time and space. It's interesting because I actually did an episode of Force Center, um, you know, uh, Joseph Scrimshaw, Ken Napsok, and um, Jennifer Landa's uh, Star Wars podcast, where we talked about sort of, like, time travel within Star Wars and basically all kind of agreed that it was something we never wanted to see and with the addition of this world between worlds, you are kind of dealing with something where, well, is there the possibility of time travel? But the way that they handled it, to me, felt more like it was, it, was, it, it wasn't so much that, like, through here you could literally travel through time so much as you had the ability to possibly affect the the sort of progression of space and time, like a change, change events in the past or theoretically the future. I mean, we didn't look into any future events, but based on the fact that we were hearing voices from the future implies to me that that was a possibility. But uh, again, it, it, it's, it, but then there is this part of you where it's like, well, did this really happen or is this just a concept? I, I don't have a, a solid theory for uh, exactly what it is, but I'm definitely fascinated by the possibilities therein. I've had the exact same <laughs> thoughts about like people have asked me before, do you want time travel in Star Wars? And I would always be like, absolutely yeah. not. And then the second they did it this way, I was like, never mind. Yeah. I, this works. I totally, totally I, agree. It's not as simple as a hopping in a DeLorean and going back. It's just like, it seems like there are a lot of prerequisites yes. to, you need to be able to enter it. And then it's like, who knows how to control it, how to pull up what you want in a certain portal at a certain time. Like, Baloney said that exact thing on um, Rebels Recon where he was saying, well, first of all, he said it's a storytelling tool and that this thing opened up the possibility of being able to have certain timelines happen, which I also think he means going forward. You know, the idea that Ahsoka is back in the fold. But he also spoke to the idea that Ezra had actually been in this tool previously, that as he got stronger in the Force, as he learned more about the Force, he's gone back. You know, the first time was to get the crystal. The second right. time was to speak to Yoda. And this is the third time he's gone in pro properly with a certain amount of guidance from Sabine and has entered it properly so that he can use it. Um, so I just primarily think of it as a tool. Tyler, you ready to go? Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm sorry, you've all been waiting on me. Um, 
I'm literally just going to bounce off of what John said. I like the idea of describing it as a tool because it makes me wonder who else has access to it because we clearly know the Emperor doesn't, but in some way he's able to connect to that. And yeah. we ha saw Yoda and Ezra like commune before, and I thought that that was, in my head, that will, I always thought that was more of like a Force Link type of thing like we saw in The Last Jedi. But knowing that it could take place in this world between worlds, so to speak, I'm wondering if that world between worlds might be the catalyst or the delivery device for all of that um, projection or whatever yeah. you might call it between Ray and Kylo or may, could Luke have entered that world between worlds? Is that how he got to crate or is it merely just him poofing himself to crate? I think this has a lot of implications on the Star Wars universe and I don't want to see it overly used, but I think the way that they handled time travel, if we could even call it that, is I think it's really interesting and exciting. And like the rest of you guys, time, time travel was something I never, ever wanted in Star Wars until like a week ago. <laughs> I have a question. Did anyone else... So is that, that is the same cauldron, we think, I think, that it was used in the extra episodes at the end of the Clone Wars run yeah, where, that's what I thought as well. It, yeah, I thought, that, that, mm -hmm. I thought that too. <laughs> and so, in theory, do you think Palpatine was using that previously? And was he somehow tapping into this power? Or are we in a whole new realm? I think we don't know yet. The, the thing about the Emperor that strikes me is that he uses... Like, in the sense that he uses these artifacts that he finds to basically enhance his abilities. He has strong abilities in the Force, but as far as his ability to, to project or do those things, I think he uses other objects. And so part of why he wants that gateway is the power it will give him. Um, so I think it could be that, Cauldron, because I think he just like Thrawn collects stuff, I think the Emperor collects stuff, especially items of power. That kind of connects to the whole, you know, the way that uh, George had set up the Empire as, you know, pseudo-Nazis, and that, you know, that was one of the things that Hitler, in, in truth, did, is he was looking yeah. for artifacts to to use um, in any way that he could, et cetera, et cetera. So I, th I find that incredibly interesting, especially how it, you know, there's that vault that uh, Alex has outlined uh, in his videos about the video game there. Uh, is that the kind of place where there's all kinds of things like this, and this just happens to be one of that collection? Yeah, I, I don't, I, my sort of feeling about it is I, I don't, though, yes, Ezra was able to access it, obviously, via the Jedi Temple on Lothal. I don't know that it necessarily has to be there because, again, I feel like it is something that does exist outside of time and space. So I think it was just like the right circumstances, as you say, is it being a, in terms of it being a storytelling tool. And this is something that Ezra has been able to sort of access before. And it is perhaps, again, like the, the root of, of all these force connections that we've seen at, you know particularly again in last jedi so yeah i'm in the same boat i don't think that um this world between worlds is inherently tied to lothal i think yeah. it might just be one of the gateways that the emperor was aware of and maybe it's the most accessible i while watching the episode interpreted it um 
whatever was holding the Sith holocron on Malachor, I thought that maybe that could be another entrance to the world between worlds because it looked like that's where Ezra pulled Ahsoka from. Mm-hmm. And we saw something that looked just like that weird triangular spire in yeah. uh, Mortis Arc. So I think that there's uh, there were so many portals. It's not like they're just going to completely destroy this plot device right after they removed it because it had major implications on Star Wars. Like Ahsoka's alive now again. Yeah. When I was when I was certain she was dead and I accepted she was dead, and she just came back. <laughs> you know, we just have to like be happy about that now. I just want to make sure that this plot device isn't overused and we don't. As much as I love Darth Maul, he's my favorite character. I don't want Darth Maul being pulled out of the way of Obi Wan striking no, him into his son. She had such a beautifully poetic death that would be such a disservice to the yeah, character. Yeah, and you know what? I did cry. Thank you yeah. for asking. <laughs> he, he, I don't... He, he had a pretty uh, poetic death in The Phantom Menace as well. Uh. <laughs> yeah, Steel. Well, St- Steel, Steel, what do you think about the world between worlds? What are your theories on it? Who made it? Where does it come from? How does it work? Do you have any of those? I don't really have answers. I've got questions about your questions. Like, the, <laughs> like we've got this whole new thing of this, like, otherworldly you know, thing, mysterious thing. And then you're wondering already, like, who made it? And it's sort of like, like, there's, like, we had the Force and it used to be, you know, far more low-key in its explanation. And, and we're getting these, like, portals now. And, 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 and to be honest, it, and it's sort of, I don't know if anyone else is realising it, but all of a sudden Star Wars fandom has turned into lost fandom. And everyone's wondering <laughs> yes. where, where portals are. And it, it is a, like never before in Star Wars has there been like a discussion about portals. Like the, maybe the Kessel Run or the or Moor or something like that is close as it's gotten to. And now there's these, um, you know, this other force world. And uh, I, 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 it is such a huge turn of focus for the franchise that um, I'm having a bumpy ride with. I enjoyed it like by itself, but if, if this is an ongoing like focus, it, ugh, I don't know. It's not for me. Well, I totally agree with you. I hope it is used sparingly. Uh, I don't want to see this pop up over and over. And I think that's probably hopefully going to be the case. I mean, we were introduced to Mortis like, seven years ago and we're just now doing this so i'm hoping it's not something that we explore every other week uh but i i I do like the idea yeah i have a feeling that it won't be and i i'm also in complete agreement that as much as i really did enjoy it i don't want to see it overused and and still you bring up the idea of like we're already asking oh who made this why does this exist and and i i actually part of me hopes that we don't necessarily go too much in that because I I think that one of the things that has happened in in sort of the Disney years of Star Wars, as much as I personally have really enjoyed most of the content, I do think there is this tendency now to try to over explain everything and have some sort of media, be it (laughs) (laughs) not Star Wars over explained, (laughs) over explained, Alex, it's very different. Uh, Like Disney feels the need to fill in every single moment of Star Wars canon instead of just kind of allowing us to think what we will based on context clues that's actually a little bit more fun. So I, I don't know. Um, 
I, I guess for me, I'm like, I don't, I don't really care who made this or why it exists. It's just kind of cool that it does. And I, yeah. like I actually do agree that I like when they give you clues. Yeah. Like there's currently there is, there are a lot of hints that uh, Starkiller base is Ilum. Sure, sure. But they haven't outright said that. And I kind of like they that. They will. In, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, it's Ilum. And, but they don't have to say that. I like little hints here and there. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind if they never, ever explored the history of this if place. If I may, um, maybe I'm just, like, odd man out here. But for me, it didn't even occur to me um, that all of us, like, that whatever the the canonical change in what happened for me it was a, it was something that occurred it's a gateway that exists and so just because they introduced it there have been concept concepts that have been introduced throughout the series and in other places that um that have just become part of the lore so yeah for me i look at it as this is another avenue. This is something else. And we don't know what that world between worlds really is. We know that in this case, it was a bridge, you know, or you say it's a, a conduit between life and death or in, um, but I don't, I don't feel like all of a sudden that we're going to see this like all over the place. I think this was a, a one-off in the sense of for at least now for a while. Yeah. I think this was a plot device that had been set up, that had been planted, and now it's there. But I think this is about Ezra's journey, and I don't know if they're just going to willy-nilly start changing things. Well, and I also feel like, too, you have to take into account that we were – essentially seeing this world between worlds from Ezra's perspective. So we are relying on him as a narrator, I think. And there is some accounting for, well, okay, that's what he thinks he saw, but did he really experience this? Did he really do the things in there that he thought he did? We don't know. And that's okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Like we know so little about this place that it could just look differently to yes, everyone that's what that's i'm thinking cool. i think it had look ezra had certain things on his mind and one of the things he's had on his mind is he wanted to change things yeah and so for him maybe it represents in a certain way with you know it had a very it had a simplicity to it and maybe for someone else it looks different so well that's yeah. uh okay, oh on. no so i was gonna say so i think that that while it's a it's a big deal, I also think it's something that if it gets used, will get used sparingly and will basically get added into the threading of the canon. I'm totally with you on that. I mean, it's the same thing with the force skyping and the astral projection. Force skyping. That's you great. know, like that stuff. That stuff. It's 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 fun, and you can you know just like the cave in Empire. You only saw that now really twice yeah. uh, in, the, in the movies. And those things are outstanding, but we all love Star Wars, I think, for the combination of the, you know, swashbuckling outer space fantasy adventure. So if you go down the road of the spiritual too often, if you go down to that well, I think like Seal is saying, 
you're going to lose a little bit of what Star Wars feels like to all of us. And the, um, in the end of the day, I re- my feeling on this, and no matter how much I love the concept and how much it will be used or d- won't be used, I think this is Filoni's way of transporting Ahsoka into another show. That Literally, that's what I thought immediately after watching Rebels Recon, immediately after after she went back into the tunnel. I just, I was fascinated with that way of doing it, and I totally expect her to end up in the next um, animated show. Oh, no, no offense to the Ahsoka fans. So. I'm a fan, but no. a, a third series? It's yeah, like, I'm kind of with you on that still, and I also really do love Ahsoka a lot, but I just... I, I think well, don't don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that's what I no. want to happen. Oh, <laughs> you, know, I, no. you know, I'm saying I think that that is what is going to happen. What yeah. I want to, I actually, oh, go I was going to say, what I really want to know is that when he said, "Find me, find me once you get out," exactly, and yeah. she says, "I promise." And what I think is interesting is Ahsoka understands enough about the Force and about time and about all of the elements that I think part of it is is that some people are going to expect to see her right away and I think what she's going to do is she's going to show up in the events if she shows up again we're going to see her in events going forward where she may circle back but I think part of it is is that whatever time has passed she'll she won't resurface until after the timeline she was actually in can I ask a question that makes me sound stupid I still, I, maybe I just, they might have mentioned Rebels Recon, and I could just be blanking. Do we know if Ahsoka went back to present time, or if she just went right back to where she was she, when Ezra pulled her out? She went right back to, basically what happened is, is she went back to the point that we saw her um, right before she walked down the stairs in the temple. Right. So, basically... The thing is, what's weird is I always thought that she survived it. So I never thought she was dead. I, um, yeah, I just don't know where so, that is in the yeah, timeline. Like, I, I don't know I don't know if in this timeline, like, Vader fell through the hole that Ahsoka poked in the ground. And then she was gone for 10 minutes. And then is Vader still walking out as she's walking down the stairs? Or is she walking down the stairs as Ezra and crew are escaping? You'd have to go back and watch Twilight of the Apprentice because we know that that moment happened. We know she she walked out. She and walked down away. The stairs. Yeah, it's yeah. just a matter she of when away. it happened. Like I, in my mind, I I'm sorry if I'm being overly confusing. No, no. In my mind, I can't tell. It, like I did rewatch Twilight of the Apprentice, and we have a big compilation of scenes, and we see Ahsoka walking down these stairs. I don't know if that scene happened concurrently with the rest of the events in that compilation from Twilight Apprentice, or if her walking down the stairs is happening con- is happening yeah, concurrently exactly. with yeah is is she walking down the stairs after Kanan has died or yeah. two years before? Two years before is my okay. Thought. So she's just chilling on Malachor like Maul was for a long. Well, time. she might be, or she might have gotten yeah. finally gotten off Malachor, and then she went somewhere else. Who knows? Maybe she went to Jeddah. Mm. We don't know. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, is anyone expecting her to be in next week's shows? I mean, I guess no, that's. I don't that's expect really that. Yeah, I think yeah. she'll be there uh, for the the finale, especially since it's called family reunion and farewell. I think she's going to show up. There's no way she dies. I can tell you that much. I 100% expect to see her in the next animated series. And if she makes it past that, I I don't see how they could write her out unless they kill in the next episode. Like nobody wants Ahsoka to die in a novel. 
But what like, I'm saying is, they're not, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think that her living means she ends up in the next series. I would like to give Steele a little bit of a soapbox because I saw his yes. tweets, his his reaction about uh, Ahsoka coming back. So I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Listen, if Ahsoka comes back, I would like for her to come back before the series end. But if she comes back and then has another mysterious like ending where who knows what she's doing or if she's alive, I will <laughs> my television to a, <laughs> a bloody pulp. It doesn't have blood. <laughs> by the time I'm will. done with it, it will. It's doing and throwing with the character of Mysteria. Is she alive? Like it's the perfect time. And I would have, you know, my little alteration to the episode would have been that or her get killed by Darth Vader. And we would have got an awesome Tarantino-esque conclusion to that scene two seasons later. And like, I just think that's the most powerful way for her to die. Like what could be more powerful than Anakin Skywalker? Like Anakin's, like just proving how to the dark side he is, thus thus elevating Luke Skywalker's uh, accomplishment in Return of the Jedi. But I just the toing and froing, like I I, I talked about this on a to someone the other day. It's like I, I love the studying professional wrestling and what makes people want to pay money to see two people fake fight and. Sometimes people will have like a retirement match and that'll be a big thing to get people interested in the match. And if they lose their, their out, they're never going to wrestle again. But then sometimes they just, they have the retirement match and then six months later they come back and people care a little bit less about the next retirement match. And then they come back again. And this is the final retirement match guys. And people don't even care. Yeah. Ahsoka is the undertaker of WWE. (laughs) Pretty much, pretty much. And I just, I, I just can't see, and prove me wrong, Lucasfilm and the world of entertainment, but a, a more poignant way for her to go. And, like, it's not like I'm here going, got to kill this character. I like her, but I think, like, like her story does have to end, I think, unless they're just going to let it drag out sort of forever so they can keep making stories. Maybe they will. But I just thought that was go very poignant, emotional, and horrifying end to a story. But that's just me. It's interesting, Steele, because I, I saw your post about that. And I, I as I was watching the episode, again, I was definitely of the camp. I, I'm pretty much always firmly in the camp of nobody, no death. Um, and especially because we did see that scene of her, you know, walking down the stairs and into that, like, triangle thing. So, and and, you know, when I was at the screening of the season two finale twilight of the apprentice that they did on the disney lot you know dave filoni was making jokes with ashley about like you can bring back your soka lives t-shirts and just put a question mark on them um but i you know i in watching this episode my initial thought was oh okay so she is alive but quite honestly until the very end of the episode when ezra like put her back into her own timeline we saw that scene again when she was saying because i think she said something to the something to him of the effect of like she couldn't physically go with him right now, but like they could reconverge or whatever. But I did have a moment where I thought she was going to be like, yeah, I can't go with you because actually I'm dead. This is just a memory of me. And I, I don't know. I, I kind of would have been a little bit okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I must say, I must say I do. 
I like the rules of time travel. Sure, I agree. I've introduced, as I understand them, that, it, that it's not an alternate timeline. Like the first time Ahsoka faced Darth Vader, like Ezra was already there to pull her away. Yes, like yes. It's that, it's that sort of like happened you, you like Ezra didn't change the past he was a part of the past yeah is my understanding yep. and, and so I do like whilst like I, I, I dread the implications I, I do like if you know mm-hmm. what I mean yeah I do I, I agree the with day you. That, the day that Star Wars starts doing alternate timelines where they look through the portal and they see like Ben Skywalker and all the EU kids that's when I'm <laughs> that's when I'm gonna be I'm not going to be pleased with it, but the idea of it being one long timeline is something that I can honestly accept. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm amazed at all the things you guys can come up with about how this can be used for long. Well, last week, I wouldn't have assumed they had time travel in Star Wars, and they were going to literally pull it through a portal to save her from being murdered by Darth Vader, but they yeah. keep surprising me. But I don't even know. We think of it as time travel, and even I'm like, yeah... It's not like she he pulled her through a portal. There's nothing that says he could have walked through it. Maybe it was Moray who helped. There's just other things I, here we don't know. I want to know think, what Vader's thinking. He's yeah. probably so confused. <laughs> what? I think that's a pretty good segue into uh, something that I wanted to talk about. This was like when I was putting my review together. It was the one thing that I was like, I think I caught something. Uh, when Ezra sees Kanan through that one portal, do you think he had a chance to save Kanan, or was that an illusion? Because looking at that portal, I think it has some Sith iconography Um. around it. And I think that Palpatine was trying to tempt Ezra to jump through, and if he had, he would have had Ezra. Interesting. Because that's the same portal that Palpatine appeared in only moments later. So yeah. do you think Kanan was really there? Could Ezra have reached through, uh, or is that just against the rules as far as we understand them? I, I mean, think, yeah, I think you it, were spot on there, Alex. I, I definitely think that there's something preventing Palpatine, uh, the emperor coming through the portal, but it's also, I don't think he ever had a chance to save Kanan. I think in the same way that you guys were saying, he really didn't go through the portal. He pulled her through, and there might have been some help from Moray. I, I definitely think that that was a pure temptation moment. And I, I think that your interpretation of the, the Sith um, iconography above that particular portal is spot on. It's interesting. I, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying because I think that ultimately, and, and I mean, they were pretty blatant about it in the episode, that sort of the the lesson of him seeing Kanan there. And it was important for Ezra to believe that he could help Kanan mm-hmm. because ultimately it was him through Ahsoka's guidance deciding not to. That was, it was an important moment of the episode. But again, it, it goes back to that idea of, okay, well, Ezra was already there in the original timeline. Again, it's like you can't time travel because because there's time is not a straight line. And so this moment of Ezra reaching in and pulling Ahsoka through that portal had already happened. So because that didn't happen in the original timeline with Kanan and Kanan did sacrifice himself in that moment, I think the answer is no, Ezra couldn't have helped him. 
but the implications of it potentially being something that Palpatine was using to attempt to sway him, I think whether whether that is the case or not, again, it's very important that Ezra made the decision to ultimately not help Kanan. I'm over yeah, here looking totally at totally I'm going back through the episode to look at the Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like at the top, there's a donut kind of circle and then three sharp points. And uh, that is very similar to some stuff that they, I think they mostly used it in Star Wars Legends stuff, but I uh, think they used it again. But yeah, I don't think it, I, I totally agree with the way that quote unquote time travel works, that whatever happened happened so since we saw Kanan die Ezra's not going to reach through but yeah I think that in that moment he believed he could whether or not that portal was showing something real or if it was an illusion or not yeah I think that um I think it was part of just his journey like he says one last lesson and the Mm -hmm. the fact that it's Ahsoka Ahsoka's really the only person who could have had that conversation with him where he would have listened and sitting Mm -hmm. there and looking at Kanan and understanding and him really understanding that in this situation, what he gave his life for is important um, that he could, that he could have done it, but he didn't. And I think I'm, of course, if, if Palpatine's involved in my mind, the only thing about that is the idea that, um that's he's still he needs Ezra's help. He says he says to Ezra, help me. And it's weird because Darth Maul says this, you know, Darth Maul wants Ezra's help. And then Palpatine wants Ezra's help. So that I want to ask you guys about whenever we go to the next subject, but that just popped in my head. Actually, I you just brought up a good question that I wanted to ask you. If Ahsoka weren't there, what do you think Ezra would have done? I think if Ahsoka weren't there, then I think Ezra would have would have done it because he would have because part of his journey has been um, that he will do what he thinks is best. And generally, part of the thing is sometimes that works, but sometimes it doesn't. And I think that he wants to save Kanan not just because he loves Kanan and his family and all that, but also because he thinks it's the right thing to do because then if Kanan's not dead, Kanan can go on to fight, you know, against the empire. So I think he would have done it. And I think what would have happened is, is, you know, obviously they would have all died. So (laughs) that's a no. (laughs) Um, But I think that Ahsoka, it's really interesting. Ahsoka gets pulled out from her fight with Anakin in which she's dealing with, my master, as I knew him, is gone, and I have to let him go. And then that's the lesson that Ezra has to deal with. You know, that I'm glad you said that, because the whole time, the last few days, I've been wondering if I could put it into one sentence, what is the lesson? And it is, you must let go, right? I mean, is that is that how you would characterize it? I think that the lesson really is, is you have to, you have to understand the only way you can really help sometimes is to let go. And for Ahsoka, I think that she, once you know that you can't do anything, like you have to accept you can't. But also I think for Ezra, it's about making a decision that's maybe for the greater good. 
as and as opposed to what you think is going to help and it's i don't know if the lesson is that clear but i do think it is about just the i want what i want and then there's what's the best for kind of the, the, what then there's what actually flows with the force yeah and also i think too in terms of you know being able to look back on these past events and again this this concept that we've all kind of discussed that it feels like the events have already happened and you can't actually change them because if you did change them you already changed them this idea that it's like things I, I I don't like to be like, oh, everything happens for a reason, but there is a, definitely a little bit of a shade of that, I think. And and there's a bit of a, a recurring concept here, too. I mean, this is Ahsoka is essentially saying the same thing that Yoda says to Luke as he's preparing to go back to, Cl- to go to Cloud City is, yeah. if you leave now, help them, you could, but you will destroy everything for that, that they've worked for, which is essentially to protect Luke. Mm-hmm. And and protect their friends, and so what he does is put himself in harm's way, which puts Han on in a in a bounty hunter's uh, spaceship. You know, so <sighs> yeah, it, it, it does feel like it is a recurring theme, and it, this this team this time it feels very well done. Yeah, I agree. I mean, a lot of it I think has to do look the conversation. If you look at the movie, is pretty much overall, and especially with. Uh, Force Awakens and the Last Jedi is a lot of conversation about the will of the Force and letting the Force flow through you. So I think this is part of that whole thing. But could you maybe expand on that a little bit? What, in other words, allowing the Force to direct your actions in a way. Well, I think that part of it is that that the way the Force has always been described is the way it was described by Obi Wan that a Jedi can feel the force flowing through him. And I think that part of it is, is Ray thinks it's one of the lessons that Luke teaches her. Ray thinks you use the force and the, the people that have the, the lessons that have come in a lot of places have been using the force as opposed to being used by the force force. being one with the force if you will with the force right there's there's one wielding it there's one guiding it and i think the difference is the emperor definitely wants to use the force yeah in order to do things so he's yeah bending it to his own will exactly instead of like going with it and i and and using what it offers. Does that make sense? Oh, completely. <laughs> now, so do you do you feel as if this is the method by which the emperor tempted Anakin in order to save Padme? That was oh. one of the things that came out of my my viewing the third time. I was like, wow. I wonder if this is what he's talking about at the opera. It's a good question. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I don't. I have had people bring up, oh, maybe that's how Plagueis cheated death, but I I guess the more I look at this place and, like, what we've said tonight. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Whatever happened, there's no changing it through this. So maybe Palpatine was twisting things for Anakin, uh, but... I don't see it actually having that power. I have a question about the whole Darth Plagueis thing while we're here. Yes. (laughs) Let's do it. Okay. This is my question. Aside from the story the Emperor tells Anakin, is there any other lore about Plagueis beyond what the Emperor tells Anakin? Not can. Uh, there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's one. There's one little thing. Um, Which is? It was his droid, eleven four D, and that's about it. <laughs> that was okay. mentioned. Yeah. He, he was very briefly mentioned in Tarkin. But okay, so it's my all question like is though stuff. that yeah. his abilities, that what oh, Palpatine tells Anakin, is that ability to bring someone back. Is that anywhere else? Is, that's not told by anybody else about Plagueis, is it? No, there's nobody who talks no. about Plagueis except for like Tarkin briefly in internal monologue. Okay, so here's my question that I've had for the longest time. How do we know that, Pal- that the whole story of Darth Plagueis isn't basically um, Palpatine's way of basically manipulating and thereby um uh what's the word i'm looking for tempting anakin how do we know it's even true we don't as far as we know i think it is just a way to manipulate him and that's what like it's been driving me crazy i mean it not so much after the last jedi but in the years between force awakens and the last jedi with all the snoke theories and people are like it's plagueis because he had the power to cheat death and i was like no, we don't know that. Yeah. yeah. One one liar told us. That. I was I was talking with some friends, and now just now that we're on the Plagueis discussion, like Plagueis is my favorite Star Wars novel, so I always take an excuse to talk oh, it's about. It's so good. It's really I good. remember I was talking with somebody a couple days ago, and they were theorizing that maybe let's assume the story is true, but is the way that Plagueis saved people from dying by using this world between worlds? Did he have some kind of grasp yeah. over it? And that is maybe that's why the Emperor is even aware of it, because it seems to be more of a like a huh. Jedi relic of some kind. Maybe Plagueis had access to this world between worlds and he would pull people. And I think I think there's a quote from the sun right before Ezra well, right as Ezra's like closing the uh, portal or the temple. I think it's the sun's future about the um, his quote about the future um, by its nature. It can be changed. Or something like that. So I, I don't. I'm jumping around to a lot of things, but I think it's possible that this that the future could be changed in a way through this world between worlds, and maybe that's yeah. what Plagueis was able to use. Maybe he it's, mastered that. It's I interesting too. Selling them a bill of goods. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's also no, very possible. But I think you bring up an interesting point again, like circling back to the world between worlds and this idea of of kind of the the. Jedi again, sort of like going with the will of the Force and the trying to bend the Force to their will. Because you know, you see in this episode the example of you have Ezra and you have Ahsoka in there, and Ezra ultimately, with Ahsoka's guidance, makes the decision to not 
try and alter history but it is possible but I mean but that would be such a very like sick thing to do of like well I want it to be this way so I'm just gonna do it so I I, exactly. I don't think that you're totally off base with the with the Darth Plagueis theory even though again as far as we know he's just lying to the uh, Darth Sidious yeah. is just lying to Anna. it's a good day in Rebels fandom when we have more Plagueis theories <laughs> I think I think a lot of it is and and if you look at what what gets used is against and i think that it's interesting what you said about the the portal and the temptation that i think what part of what the emperor does and what his his trick is is to tempt people with the ability to bring back the people they love and just the fact that there's loss there and that if ezra had brought canaan back well, then that would have taken them all out, and mm-hmm. it would have. And it would have. Once he reached in, we don't know if he might have pulled the emperor through. Yeah, that's a great parallel. I, I think it would have taken a few viewers at home out as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if you were ready to, you know, stab your eyes out there, Steele, uh, after all the Plagueis talk. <laughs> but you have to um, remember, if you follow the themes, normally the bad guys in Star Wars are the ones that are telling the truth as they understand it. Sure. You know, like when you yeah, look at I think, um, like, I think like Count lying. Dooku and, and Darth Vader, look, their shocking truths are, are, are always right. So I, I, I know I always took it that, Sidious thought he was telling the truth. Like he thought he had the, like, you know, it might've been some Sith jealousy that like, you've got the power, don't you? I'm going to kill you for it. Right. I I always took it that he thought what he was saying was the truth because that's what they just, that's what they do is tell the truth because they think it's so good. I actually do think that he was telling the truth about that, that Plagueis had the power to save others from death, but he also specifically says, but not mm-hmm. himself. And that I was more getting on a tangent about how uh, people claim that Plagueis could cheat death, and there's nowhere that says that. Gotcha. Yeah, again, we're getting into the Star Wars ever, like, ever returning from a certain point of view. Like, what does it mean to <laughs> save people from death? And now we've really gone into it. All right, let's get back on track. Um, I, I had something that it was I had something that I wanted to bring up um, that I threw Go in the notes. Um, it's very rare that I'm shocked by anything in Star Wars. I love Star Wars more than any other fictional medium, and I don't. I just don't get shocked. There's nothing that surprises me that much. Everything that happens in Star Wars, at least as of late, before the Last Jedi, was stuff that. I'm just like, yeah, I can see this happening. Yeah, this is like, this makes sense contextually with the story. Um, there are three moments in Star Wars that have, I think, genuinely shocked me, and two of them in Rebels. The first time was when Maul went down super quickly in Twin Suns. That might just be because of my additional emotional attachment to the character, but I was shocked, I was mad, and then I was very, very pleased when I thought about it in the context. The <laughs> second is when Luke. Um, it was revealed that he was doing the Force projection in The Last Jedi. I had like three theories run through my mind in the milliseconds after Kylo stuck his lightsaber on Luke. And I just, I thought, oh my god, is he a ghost? Is he appearing? Is he just like super powerful where he can just phase through lightsabers? Oh, he's projecting. 
But the most shocking moment in all of Star Wars that made, I was watching the episode in my library because my internet at home is not good enough. I was on the quiet floor and I screamed, but <laughs> when Ahsoka got pulled through the portal, I did not expect to see that at all. I was expecting what Steele said earlier, like a Quentin Tarantino-esque, like we're seeing the end of Ahsoka's story. And then for her to live like that, I was just astounded. I never thought I'd see anything like that in Star Wars. I never thought that Ahsoka was going to be back by a way of pseudo time travel into a forced dimension that's just if you showed me the Clone Wars movie and then told me that, I would have assumed I just <laughs> it, it's just I wanted to know where this if this stacks up for some of the most shocking moments in Star Wars. I'm a younger fan, so I never got the I'm your father moment. I just I grew up knowing knowing that Darth Vader was Luke's father even before I saw the films. Um I just want to know what your level of shock was when that happened. I think I think you are spot on. I mean, re- I, you said spot on way too many. I think you're really on to something. I think that when I walked out of Last Jedi, I was shocked and almost bewildered. This time watching her get pulled through, seeing the resolution, seeing the iconography to see the you know, the quotes from Close Encounters of the Third Kind and the and the beats that reminded me of Raiders. I was so shocked and pleased and happy and just feeling so comfortable in my fandom. I, 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 I agree that this was a really shocking but pleasurably shocking moment. Um, I will admit that I can't say what I actually said. I know what you said. Yes, yeah, I you tweeted it. You definitely did. <laughs> Go to Geek Girl Diva on Twitter to see How? the trick. <laughs> and, like, seriously, I didn't just say it. I shouted it. Wait, was this at the screen? No, God, no. Thankfully, <laughs> no. This was when I this was when I was watching the screener um, to do my recap, and literally that happened. I and it was just like, holy, yeah. And I mean, it was blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because that that was kind of the establishing moment for what was possible in this unknown space. So it was definitely very very surprising to me as well <laughs> but in a good way right like in, not oh my god so no cool. in a yeah. totally totally good way and again and, and it was coming from that place of once again you're hearing all the quotes i'm like okay is this going to be like a sort of time travel situation which again is not something i ever wanted in star wars but then like when he pulled ahsoka out and the way it all ended it just yeah i was i was very bewildered and but like in a in a good I'm thinking about Star Wars in a whole new way, kind of way. Steel, what did you think? I don't know. (laughs) It's okay if you disagree, Steel. In fact, I I hope you do. (laughs) This makes things more interesting. No, I'm just... To be honest, as far as shocking moments go... I, and 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 this my my opinion, and this is how I just take Star Wars. I, I don't think it's as shocking to me because I don't take the cartoons as seriously. So, like, it doesn't just lodge as like as important. And I, like, I love watching the cartoons, but. I just don't, and I and I kind of have to do that because I don't really like the mystical like all these like mystic realms and stuff part of star Wars, but I want to enjoy the show. 
So I sort of just like, well, this isn't what I would want to do, but I'm just going to and find the bits that I like and enjoy those. So I guess, yeah, it's not that shocking because it's not like I've, I've kind of just, I've just dulled my senses a little bit about it. And and, and that's sort of, it's it's sort of like unfashionable to say, because like, I, I feel like, especially on Twitter and stuff, it's, thing to, to like overly like or really broadcast your uh, love of the cartoons and stuff but and resonate with me like that I, I totally films. understand that perspective for what it's worth I'm, yeah. I'm I'm the person who walked out of the last Jedi the first time and was like I feel weird and then I saw it the second time and was like I really liked it but every person that I've had like a lengthy conversation with who really disliked the movie I understand those reasons too. And I like star Wars for this fantastical universe. And my favorite parts of rebels are when we go into that cosmic nature and we learn more about the universe, the, the shocking moment to me, um, it was one that Ahsoka lived, but I wasn't really even paying attention to the episode because I paused it. And I started thinking, what are the future implications for something like this? Could we see it? I thought of it in the comic book sense. Could we see a comic, post episode nine where Ray somehow goes to this world and she's like watching, like she's, she's changing the channels on TV to see significant moments in the history of the force. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking broad scale. I'm not connected to rebels in the way that a lot of people are. I'm, I'm extremely critical and there's a lot of episodes of rebels that I, I have zero interest in watching again. There's a few episodes that I haven't seen at all. And I just don't have an interest in watching them because the material just isn't engaging to me. I, I'm I'm picky with it, but this was a moment where it was a standout Rebels episode for me. I think that might be why I appreciate it more because my expectations for Rebels are it's a cartoon. It's not going to change things. And I think that this could change things not in the films, but in the other mediums of Star Wars that we all consume. I was going to say pretty much the same thing. I think Sorry. I found it so... <laughs> it's fine. I think I found it so shocking because I usually see Rebels as like, this is a fun show, uh, and it, that's all I get out of it, usually, is a fun time. But then occasionally it really blows me away, and the this whole episode I'm obsessed with. I love the entire episode, and like Twilight of the, Twilight of the Apprentice... Uh, I will never forget the way I felt the first time I saw that. So it's a strange feeling, I guess, when you're just going in for what you think is going to be a lighthearted good time, and then they do something like that. See, that's so interesting to me, because I don't approach Rebels that way at all. To me, I I take it very seriously, and it's probably some of my favorite new Star Wars media, if not my absolute favorite. And I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, we are exploring these parts of Star Wars that they just don't look at in the films at all. I mean, I I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday where it completely blew my mind to think that, like, if you have never watched uh, Clone Wars or you never watched Rebels or you've never read any comics or, or, or books or anything, you legitimately don't really know what a Mandalorian is outside of Boba Fett looks pretty cool. Um, and I, I just, so I, I like that, that Rebels goes to all of those different places and I don't take it any less seriously for being an animated series. And I think that, you know, part of that is it comes from my personal experience growing up as somebody that watched 
a lot of anime and from a, a very young age was introduced mm-hmm. to this idea that animated series are not necessarily for children. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think that star Wars rebels stands up with some of the other best series that are absolutely family friendly. And I mean, star Wars itself is absolutely supposed to be family friendly. I mean, George Lucas has said it, star Wars is for 12 year olds. And yeah. I, I, I think it skews way below 12 year olds though. Like. I, I see. I, I disagree with that. I think that I think that a lot of the storytelling in Rebels is very sophisticated, and especially you know, I, for me. Can you just, I, can you just debunk this one for me? Just this is like from the uh, the other episode when so Caden's just died, right? And like this is why I sort of have to go. Oh, I'm just going to chill. Like Caden's just died. His best friend Zeb is like sees um whatever Warwick Davis's character is. Rook. And Rook. He, he goes into this he goes into this Scooby Doo routine of like, oh I'm scared. Whoa. And it's like your friend just died saving you. And then two minutes later he's like beating him to a pulp, which was terrific. But it's just like I don't see that I don't see these as natural ways but see, to ah. me, I do see that as a natural reaction, just given the character of Zeb from the point of view that, you know, his natural reaction and to some extent Sabine's natural reactions, because she kind of joins him in, in the fight, essentially. It's that both of them come from planets of or, or backgrounds of, well, I'm going to solve this by punching things. And so that oh, is no, but, no, but, but, repressing but why, emotions. But why was Zeb going, oh, he looks scary. Oh, oh. like that's like that's, con- that's it, it contradicts the character. I'm with Steel there. There's there's a level of rebels that I appreciate, but at times it gets too just the tone doesn't match up with what's going on in the show. I once I actually started watching rebels and realizing like, oh, this is a kid show. I was surprised at how often like stormtroopers are just straight up murdered in the episode where Kanan <laughs> died they threw a ton of stormtroopers yep. multiple stories to their death oh, but then yeah. they have an issue with killing rook in that there's moment the, and i i just don't understand that i can explain that and i think part of this is that people you can approach rebels as a cartoon and i think that's doing it a disservice but approaching yeah. Rebels and keeping in mind that it's made for both kids and adults, it works on multiple levels. They do have to have some things in there that will that kind of are there for the kids because yeah. the kids, you know, this this is how they got started. And there's kids that watch, and kids get bored. But and how many? Doing that what thing. percentage of the watchers are actually kids? I, I've been a on a lot like, of them. Dude. A lot of them. Are they? Because I feel like it's mostly adults who are watching it with their kids. I wonder how many like kids are actually watching it independently. But see, the thing is, though, that even if even if there's a an equal amount of people watching, it's on Disney XD. Yeah. It's got a demographic, yeah. and it has to keep in mind a younger audience. Yeah. Just like Star Wars does. The difference between yeah. throwing stormtroopers four stories to their death versus killing Rook. One is that something that happens like, and it's sort of, there's no faces. It's sort of a thing. The minute you show somebody killing a named character up close, it becomes much more real. And they do it, but they do it sparingly. But additionally, they wanted to send a message back to the Empire, which was basically you sent these after us whoops sorry you sent these <laughs> after us and We've almost made it 
and I'm sorry. It's okay, I, knew, it's okay. I knew it would be me. Um, Free and, for all now. <laughs> and that, um, and here's your, here's your assassin back. Um, but I think it is also, you can't just kill someone up close and personal like that. So yeah, I, they kill a lot of people. There's they, still kind of ways to take him out. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like, like Chopper has maybe the highest body count. Yes, of, he does. I honestly want to like, do a video in Star Wars. <laughs> of like his kill count. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be the most depressing video on your channel. <laughs> Don't be amazing. But, but the thing, but the thing is, with like, I, I, I accept like that they're going to watch it with their families and stuff. But keep it to that twelve-year-old. Like, have like the younger viewers like step up. Pretty kids are bloody sophisticated, and I just think a twelve-year-old kid. Like, I think sometimes the rebels' humor doesn't give them enough credit. Like, it, it sort of like sort of looks down on the on, on the demographic even with like how it treats it and with rook if and causes them trouble it was like you're writing your characters like idiots if he never comes back i, I can find that like well they got rid of him they disgraced him but i i just sort of think if he comes back it kind of makes like our heroes kind of look like idiots there's well, a lot of situations I... in which the heroes look like idiots, to be fair. I mean, it's a lot of letting people go and, like, proving that you're better. But it's yeah, just, con- it's just con- yeah, it's just that, contextually, yeah, like, what? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, not, it's not something I'm complaining about, really. It's just I, the issues with tone at times are, at times this show feels like it's, like it's treating the audience like it's grown up and then at times it treats the audience like it hasn't evolved at all like the mall death is probably the most like violent ish death that we've seen on screen and then next to that might be maybe the grand inquisitor so i don't understand why there's two dudes with the heads that was awesome yeah i forgot about that i think completely until you mentioned it the part of it is i think when you say that is that you have to re- keep it in mind as in it's for kids and adults. So you, yeah. you have to kind of like, I, when I watch rebels, I watch rebels. But how's that different than star Wars? Uh, let me ask you a question. How many people have you seen them actively kill aside from Darth Maul? How many people have you actively seen them kill in star Wars who had a, you know, like a Jedi? They're about people getting killed. I just want I just want the characters to make sense no, and not just, act goofy. What like, I'm, I'm saying, right? And what the thing is is that you have a hard time with the goofy part. But what I'm saying is the goofy part's there for the kids. The um, the really major emotional stuff is there for the adults. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I, I totally under, I totally understand the goofiness needing needing to be for kids, and you need the parts with it's the like, kids and adults. I just feel at times I wish that it was a little bit more seamless in how. We yeah. were making that transition because I, I don't – I think if they did the Rook thing in, like, another episode, like, maybe if that happens – maybe if, like, Sabine and Zeb were doing that, like, right before Kanan died or something, I think that would have fit in a little bit more. But it just felt a little odd to have this super somber moment and then just immediately go to slapstick. It's more just – it's a pacing issue with the tone. I understand completely that it's a goofy kid show. It's, like, TV, PG – seven or whatever it is yeah i think just the execution at times i wish were better yeah i i mean i don't disagree i'm that there are moments that feel a little it again as you say it's sort of a pacing thing and uh and a 
very sharp shift in tone out of a, a moment that is very somber. But I, I think for me, and it's like, you know, there's there's other series that are kind of like this that, again, are like technically for sort of a 7 to 12-year-old audience, again, that have that Y7 rating. You know, I, I'd bring up things like Avatar The Last Airbender or like Legend of Korra, both of which like occasionally have humor in it that makes me roll my eyes. But overall, the the storytelling and the emotional gravitas is there and and yes i i don't disagree with you still where you're like oh the humor feels really base and they're treating kids like they're morons but i think some of that is lowest common denominator i don't know uh but but that the overall like storytelling and the uh the additions to the Star Wars universe in general and the way that they explore some of the things that they don't take the time to explore in the films is something that is very, very good storytelling and very appealing to me. I'm with you 100%. I mean, I think it's just, as with all Star Wars, sometimes Mm -hmm. there are just things you gotta let go. Like, I get asked questions all the time where I'm like, that doesn't really matter. Like, why why is the fight with Obi-Wan and Darth Vader in A New Hope, why is that so much slower than every other fight? It's like, well, because that's how they they made it. it Yeah, it's like, you just gotta let it go. The entire time. (laughs) One of my least favorite videos on the internet is this stupid edited footage of, like, Obi-Wan using his super speed or whatever to rush through the portals or the, uh, the barriers in the Phantom Menace. And then he just goes in the pit because he was going too fast. When people see like a power used once and then they get pissed that it's not used, sorry, <laughs> that they get yeah. upset that it's not used every time, um, that that annoys me. It just I I need I think I personally need to view it more as a kid show than I do a lot of times because I view it in the same way that I do a lot of other Star Wars content. Like I have an issue reading a like Star Wars novel and then reading a Star Wars young adult novel and then I might not make the connection in my head like young adult why is this all kids and it was like oh it's young adult i just the, I the young adult books have been like more adult sometimes than the actual novels i've found uh, Some of them are quality, awesome. i'd say at times but yeah i think that that part of it and this goes with um with rebels for me i think that rebels has done some of the best storytelling i think that if you look at the scope of what they've covered the the lore in what they've covered and just the overall um kind of arc and also the fact that they made us some of us absolutely fall in love with these these four people and a droid that we didn't have any context for at all when this started and they've created a world they've created new new planets they've created new stuff they've brought in other characters but Dave Filoni is a genius as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> and he is, and I think that what he's created, if you look at it on a level of just the actual storytelling, not necessarily like some of the stuff, the little, you know, like that being goofy or whatever, but if you look at it overall as a storytelling device, I think it's brilliant. And the connectivity is exactly what we've all been Absolutely. asking for. Yes. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked, honestly, if Lothal is where... Luke's Jedi Temple is, and 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 things like that. I, I just think that Dave, in particular, has this ability to weave things in and not make it feel hokey, and it yeah. really does make sense in the overall scheme of things. I just I've enjoyed that so so much. Yeah, I, mean, I, I would I, I would even offer that it's too connected at times for um 
you know, just cameo reasons. I, I, I would have rathered more more focus on the crew than like episodes with Lando and and Princess yeah. and stuff. Well, just I mean, I'll say this: like we we just talked for almost four times the length of one episode, and we were just talking about one episode. But uh, I think we're gonna start wrapping it up. So I just wanted to check and see if everyone uh, had any last words about a world between worlds, uh, um, Emma. I loved it. I'm all about it. Uh, it didn't feel it was it didn't feel that weird to me. It felt very appropriately Star Wars and it was great. And I hope that we don't see too much of it, but that it's not completely forgotten. <laughs> Shayna. Um, I would just like to point out that I have been in tears um, because of the last four episodes. And after Kanan died, I cried for four days. So. <laughs> yeah oh, i did i cried for four days i cried when i saw it and then i would cry when i did something and then i watched it again and i know a lot of it is i know why but it doesn't make it any easier and um and i cried when when kanan showed up in uh world between worlds or the one prior um wolf wolves in the door and his hand was on Hera's shoulder i lost it again so <laughs> yep. you know I, I've, uh, I've had to edit a few videos that have just had images of uh like chopper holding Hera's hand or zeb and Ezra oh, hugging. Oh, i can't handle it like i get misty so every time uh john i just i just have been over the last four years so reignited into my fandom and this show although i haven't loved every episode i've loved so many different moments have gone and, and watched Kurosawa films because of moments, have gone back and read novels and, and things. And while I wouldn't say this is the be-all and end-all of fandom, and I am not sitting around crying over anyone, I have enjoyed this show so immensely, and I, I, I feel very grateful. Steel? My one hope is no matter what happens by the end of this series is we've got there's no mystery endings I, I don't want to wonder if someone's dead or alive whether they are or not I, I, I want to know it's makes sense at the point like I don't want any like is it a spirit or is it a real person walking to the temple you know maybe Ezra's a, a budger guard I don't like I want I have to know that will sort of define my like, you know, we got introduced to these characters in the first episode and we watched them for four years. Like, I, I think the audience deserves not, like, wacky T-shirts that change and stuff like that. I, I, I want to know is – I want to know for sure. I don't want – I want to be debating if Ezra's alive or dead. Like, I, I, I though, he did that at the end of the season knowing there was another season. Yeah, I'm totally aware of what he's doing. I'm kind of over the wishy-washing. Because I just think it waters down. Um, I love the character, and I, you know, to the show's credit, like Kanan's death, like I didn't, you know, I didn't cry for four days, but I, I did, like, I did have an emotional reaction to it. It was very well done, and I, I think everything about him, like his passing, was was pretty spot on. That was some good Star Wars, but um, yeah, I, I just want to, I just want to have conclusive status reports on the crew of the ghost by the end. And, and in my opinion, 
to respect the original trilogy canon, and I know when you mention things like that, you sound like a, a bizarre Twitter troll, but <laughs> I, my interpretation of it is that um, it's, it's been nice knowing you, Ezra, R.O.P. That's, that's, that's where I sit with it. I am kind of with you. I do hope that we... I, I don't think he absolutely has to die, but I do really want a satisfying reason for him and Ahsoka to not sure. be around for the original trilogy because Luke wants a teacher and someone would point him in the right direction. But Tyler, uh, do you have any last thoughts? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I went into Rebels being a detractor. Um, I, was, I really didn't like the art style. I didn't expect to like the series at all. Um, I like Rebels more than I ever liked the Clone Wars, and I think it's because we have this group that I've actually seen develop. In the Clone Wars, we saw Ahsoka develop, and that was really it. Anakin was always Anakin. Obi-Wan had some development in my mind with Satine, but there wasn't enough growth. It felt like it was filling in the gaps, and Rebels at times has felt like that, but it's more of a character story and it's more about this family and this band of rebels and while it does have the awkward cameos at times like the landos or the obi-wans which i liked but still it was obviously like thrown in there for a cameo's sake i think rebels has excelled um in every aspect more so than the clone wars in terms of its development in terms of its story and its overall narrative and I'm really excited about the fact that Dave Filoni is finally getting the chance to end a story properly. Um, I don't want Dave Filoni making everything Star Wars for the rest of my life, but I do want Dave Filoni making the next animated series. And if there's another one after that, I want him to do that one too. I think that's his niche. I think he has a really great way of walking the line between something oriented for children and something that's for the adults or teenagers or young adults as well. And while I detract and I rag on it sometimes and I say I wish the tone was better, I don't think there's anybody out there who could do it better than Dave Filoni. And I'm just really excited to see the resolution. I want, if Ezra and Ahsoka are going to remain alive, I really expect some kind of definitive, like they're trapped in this world beyond worlds for like years or something ridiculous like that. It needs to be something clear as to why they live past this series, but... I really think that they're setting it up just so that they are going to live. I don't think you're going to see Ahsoka in the next episode. That's just my assumption. Um, and I'm excited for the future of these characters beyond the show. I'm excited to see what happens to Hera, and I think Zeb's going to die. I'm excited to see what happens to Sabine. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I'm rambling. But the last thing I wanted to say was I have not hated, but I've actively disliked Ezra in almost everything he's ever done for the past four years. Um, the past few episodes have started giving me more of an appreciation for the character because I'm finally looking at it in the context of the show and I'm seeing that growth, I'm seeing that development. And if Ezra does die in the next episode, I'm going to be emotionally invested. And if you told me I would say that a year ago, I would not have believed you because Ezra has always been the least appealing part of Rebels to me. And now he's might be the most engaging. Oh, he's been written so much better in like this this season. It was Wait. the hair. I think the hair was the turnaround. Yeah, I he just couldn't. Shape. I just... <laughs> it was it was learning that the true the true meaning of family again and again. That's what it was. Yeah. No, it was the hair. 
I'd rather the hair than the flipped up speeder bike helmet. It's just like, how do you make the coolest helmet look so bad? Keep it down <laughs> or keep it off. <laughs> these are the worst parts about Rebels, I think. We're, I think we're, I think we're yeah, These are pretty minor complaints. <laughs> I, have, I, I do have one prediction. Okay. I think Zeb's going to live. I think Callus is going to die saving him. I, oh, Callus is totally dead. I have thought that Callus was going to die for like three seasons now. So I'm, as soon as... I think he's, he's going to give his life to save Zeb. Yeah. You just made me yeah. very sad. Oh, no. I can say right. <laughs> it's such a turn on the whole thing and how it yeah. started, though. Yeah, you're right. Um, it makes no. sense, but I'm Look sad in. about it. I, while we're doing predictions, I'm going to do the worst two possible predictions that could ever happen. I don't actually think these would happen, but if it happened, it would just make me hate Rebels. One is they kill Thrawn in some meaningless way. Yeah, I really don't think Thrawn is going to die. I will be very disappointed if he, if he dies. Yeah, I don't think he'll die. I know that uh, my girlfriend Claire loves Thrawn more than me, so if Thrawn dies, <laughs> like, we're going to have issues. Um, the, the other worst thing, it, it, there's no way it could happen because it's so awful. But somebody mentioned it to me a year ago when when Twin Suns was happening, and I just thought, like, oh, it gave me chills in, in the worst possible way, which was maybe Ezra will retire to Tatooine and just live there for the rest of his life, and then they'll, like, bump into Luke or something before Luke no, and the events of a new hope start. Oh, <laughs> so oh. I know people who legitimately think that's going to happen, oh. and I wish I didn't know them. <laughs> Come on! Blocked! Yes, seriously. <laughs> All right, well, that was our discussion, so I'm just going to run back through the list. And uh, Tyler, where can everyone find you? Uh, I live in uh, Illinois. Yeah, your address. <laughs> yeah. Social security number. Uh. Uh, I, I, I have a Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at T Westhouse, T-W-E-S-T-H-A-U-S-E. Uh, you can check out some of my writing on StarWars.com. Uh, I just had a piece go up the other day about some of the... Uh, Best Hidden Secrets in Easter Eggs in Battlefront 2. Um, I had a lot of help on that with the writer of the game, Mitch Dyer, and then Alex was a big help with that as well. Um, yeah, check out my stuff on StarWars.com and follow me on Twitter. That's all I got. In my Steel. address. Oh, <laughs> now we'll bleep that out. Uh, <laughs> Steel, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on all the social media accounts at Steel Wars. Uh, my podcast comes out twice a week. And it's called Steel Wars, and I just released today a hour interview with Ben Mendelsohn, director critic from oh. One. So uh, check that out. It is if you're a fan of that character or him, or just a really cool guy talking about Star Wars for an hour. There's some great stories in there, and I also have a YouTube channel which Alex coaches me on, and that's YouTube.com forward slash Steel Wars, and I just put up a video, Alex, of the Prince Easter Egg in The Last Jedi. Oh. Well, I will go check that out, and I am halfway through the Mendo episode. I'm going to finish that right after we finish recording here. Uh, John, where can people find you? Well, you guys can find me on makingstarwars.net. I usually write uh, about five days a week uh, around the galaxy, which is a collection of stuff I find interesting, and I try to really go beyond the clickbait and find some really terrific stuff by the authors who are actually putting it out there to start with. Um, you can find me on Twitter, J.M. Bishop Jr., J-M-B-I-S-H-O-P-J-R. And uh, I don't sleep because I have three kids, so you can find me most of the time. <laughs> uh, Shayna, where can they find you? Geek Girl Dave up pretty much everywhere. <laughs> 
Look for the person who's who's good. Geek World Diva and is tweeting a lot, and you'll find me. <laughs> oh, and I, I should point out, if anyone's in LA, we're doing a, a Rebels live podcast after the finale on March 10th with uh, Geek Girl Diva and Kevin Rubio and who else is doing it? Um, oh, Jenny Nicholson and Sal Perales, which is going to be awesome. That's and I one more guest. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, Steele, if you try and, if you try and diss Rebels, after the finale, I may have to punch you because I know I'm going to be an emotional wreck. Uh, listen, I think what we've learned <laughs> in the last couple of months about Star Wars is it's, it's rational debate. Now, come on. <laughs> and Emma, this down. <laughs> Emma, where can they find you? You can find me all over the internet at my name, Emma Fife, E-M-M-A-F-Y-F-F-E. Uh, that is all F's as in Frank. No S's as in Snake. If you're listening to this and not looking at it on the screen, F and S sound the same on the phone uh, or recorded into a microphone and transmitted into your ears. Uh, also, you know, if, if you guys like weird stuff happening in Jedi temples, you should totally watch my Star Wars RPG. It's called Pencils and Parsecs. It is on... Uh, Hyper RPG, so that's twitch.tv slash HyperRPG every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. We just wrapped up our second season and are jumping into the third season this coming Wednesday. So new new seasons are usually a good jumping in point. You can always go and back and catch up on all the other stuff. It's a lot of fun. All right. Well, that was our show. Uh, <laughs> I've been Alex from Star Wars Explained. If you're watching it on my channel, then you already know who I am. And please, <laughs> as Steel suggested leave a rational comment below and let me know what you thought of this because i've never done it before yeah let uh, us know who you think would win in a fight sean or steel <laughs> yeah sure dude i i, I flinch pretty easy all right you guys yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah thank you guys for listening and or watching and may the force be with you if you're like me and you want to check out as many quality voices in Star Wars fandom as possible, check out the Making Star Wars podcast network at makingstarwars.net. Not only is makingstarwars.net the home for the hottest news and rumors in the Star Wars universe, but they have also got a top-shelf podcast network. Now, this is podcasting. Rebel Girl, The Cantina Cast, Blue Harvest, The Rogue One, a podcast for winners. The Sith List, Podcast 2187, Tarkin's Top Shelf, The Idiot's Array. All available on iTunes or makingstarwars.net. Just hit the podcast network button. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.